the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Let's start off uh, with a little bit of mind uh, mind games. <laughs> Preservation is a great element of success. If you only knock long enough and loud enough at the gate, you are sure to wake somebody. It's uh, Longfellow, I believe. Uh, anyway, let's uh, get started. We'll, you know, we, we always talk about our webpage real quick. Uh, that way you can reference back to it if you need to. And uh, if you Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio, uh, I'm the first guy that shows up. You can always tell it's me because right under my picture it says, remember, buy low, sell high. Uh, also, uh, I would highly recommend you take a look at the bulletin board. There's some, uh, there's a couple newsletters there, the Market Week, Investor's Edge. Um, it, it also talks about daily technical analysis, which you know sometimes if you see what's going on in the stock market, you understand a little bit. It's a massive thing, but if you, if you notice price movements, you can uh, take a look. Uh, also, cybersecurity and why we think interest rates will stay lower for a pretty long time. Uh, we also have some stuff in there about uh, protecting yourself from uh, uh, cyber, on a cybersecurity basis or in hacks. Let's put it that way. A uh, couple of things. You know, I, um, I've been talking about the global energy ideas and, and energy sold off. And I'm going to talk about energy later on in the show, uh, especially oil. Uh because what we're seeing is, you know, gold's getting a bid. Remember we mentioned that gold might make a head and shoulders reversal. It still hasn't done that yet, but it's getting closer and closer. So we'll, and I'm, I'm looking at the GDX and the D, GDXJ. That's the gold miners index and the junior gold miners index. Uh, also, we have a great piece. You know, this week, uh, we saw healthcare, uh, break out against the rest of the market. And, um, that's interesting. Healthcare didn't go down. Now I'm not talking about biotechs. I'm talking about, Drug stocks and, and the big, the large medical tech stocks. So, uh, we have a good piece on that, uh, if you want it. We also have the 2025 portfolio. So put these stocks away for now and see what happens in 2025. I think it's a great idea. Small caps have been getting beat up and, and, um, I'm a little bit surprised at that, but you know, as interest rates go up, small caps have a harder time. And, um, I think, you know, especially with, you know, the market got kind of beat up pretty hard fast. Uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, since the bullish percent turned down just a week ago. Uh, so, uh, by the way, we're getting pretty close to oversold areas too. So, you know, don't, don't panic. But if, uh, small caps hold here, it could be a very big move coming up. And, uh, I think it may be based on the election. So we'll see what happens there. And our guided our all cap growth, uh, almost everything's, all these lists have been getting beat up. So there's a good time to buy them. Uh, you know, we've been really talking about dividend growth portfolios, and I, I highly recommend that portfolio. I'll talk about uh, dividend growth and, and, uh, and volatility and dividends. 
And our prime income list for those of you seniors out there who are, uh, you know, retired, this is great. A good, good high yield. It's about 4.2% right now. And remember, you know, dividends are, are taxed at eight, at 15%, uh, 18% with Obamacare, by the way. And, uh, uh, your CDs and and your bonds are taxed at regular income, so you know a, a dividend stream is. Uh, and by the way, they trade. You know the volatility is about the same. So there we go. We got a new newsletter out for November. Um, the first subject is the tech sector could be dominating your portfolio. And remember, Lori Calsavina, uh, who's our head strategist, you know, said a couple months ago that she she didn't like technology, and so far she's. Been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um, also, this is uh, in infographic financial lessons from football. It's kind of a good one. And and ten, ten tax year uh, ten year end tax tips, which I, th- I those are really good. By the way, uh, you know, last week we talked about the dividend growth portfolio, and uh, you know, since inception, this thing's been averaging about eight point seven percent. That's a pretty good return. Um, you know, the S&P has been at 9.3, but it has 30% more volatility. So for you people out there, you know, the, the great thing about dividend growth is that as uh, we see the market go up uh, and these guys raise their dividend, you know, your dividend increases over time. And if you, by the way, if you if you buy more of these stocks when you're young, uh uh, you know, you buy 500 shares of stock and you just keep buying it with the dividends all the time. First of all, your dollar cost averaging, that's number one. Number two, by the time you start taking the money out when you're retired, your yield is unbelievable. I mean, trust me, I have a couple of folks with Abbott Laboratories and uh, uh, that's not a recommendation, by the way. It's up a lot. So the the point is, is, you know, over time, they've they've really done well. You know, uh, new production, uh, well... <laughs> Um, the digital economy, let's talk about that. And, you know, what we call is the billion user bogey and new product adoption is occurring at a much faster rate than ever before because of the digital economy. Uh, what it does, is it creates larger markets that are easier to access. So what does this tra- trend mean for uh, the economy investing? I think more disruption is going to be in store. Um, it's just amazing, uh, how fast it takes to reach, uh, a million, a billion users back in 1985, it took 26 months and now it takes six. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of, I th- think is, I'm, I'm sorry, 26 years. Now it takes six years. So the digital economy runs on massive platforms that allow many users to gain some quick access to new products. And, and with it, you just a couple clicks away from, you know, exploiting the, 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 the uh, particular technology. So, you know, I, I was looking at the fixed income area and, um, it, look, we had a quick sell-off here in high yield market, and high yield uh, spreads now have uh, really uh, increased from actually a negative spread to now uh, a plus point four. So that's that's a pretty big uh, move on a basis point uh, you know scenario. So the five year average yield compensation for five years uh, is now four hundred and thirty seven basis points, or four point three seven percent. That's the highest. That's hundred points. Uh, one percentage point higher than the current levels. Okay, so uh, we're we're seeing kind of a, a, a massive sell-off because they're kind of equity-oriented. Um, you know, we talked about 
uh, last week that now would be a decent time to buy utilities. And, and I just thought it was interesting that our friends at Dorsey Wright this week talked about this, and they said, thus far in October, utilities is by far the most improved domestic equity sector in dynamic asset level investing, having gained 28 buy signals since September 28th. Recall that just last week, we saw utilities move ahead of consumer non-cyclical sector to claim a spot. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Now, the next most improved area is healthcare. We've been beating the drum on that for a long, long time. So Look, people are wondering, you know, uh, what what I should do uh, right now, and it's my personal opinion. I think you should be buying healthcare and oil. Uh, you know, oil down. By the way, I don't think you need to pay up for it, but I think you want to buy it down. Uh, and I, I think you want to hold core U.S. equities. Um, fixed income doesn't look so good. Uh, I I would suggest that that's a sale. And international equities, although they're number two in the dynamic asset level investing area, I don't know if I'd be uh, jumping in there right now. So so let's rehash what happened with the market indicators. You know, if we take a step back uh, on all the financial headlines of the past uh, few days, we see that the short-term indicators have become much more defensive while the long-term indicators remain bullish. So from a broad asset class right you know, point of view, domestic equity still ranked number one uh, and Additionally, fixed income and cash, which we would typically see rise in periods like this, uh, when you're transitioning, uh, let's say, out of a bull market, remains in the lower half of the dynamic asset level investing. So people aren't buying bonds, and that's because the Federal Reserve is out there saying we're going to raise rates four more times. All right, so that's interesting. The defensive asset classes remain unfavored, and and that's very interesting. Um, So... In taking a technical uh, indicator report, you know, and, and digesting it a little bit, you know, one of the main indicators that we look at is the percent of positive charts, uh, which is one that Dorsey Wright uses, our good friends who provide us with some of this information. And um, if we look, um, the percent for positive trend for the New York Stock Exchange um, is kind of a, a pretty good indicator, which remains bel- uh, above the halfway point at 52%. Uh, so it's it's kind of an unusual time. So just about every domestic e- uh, equity indicator or index falls in oversold or, or heavily oversold categories right now. So that's kind of interesting. So what what would I do? Okay, number one, um, I would buy out a pullback. And uh, look, I, I can I do a lot of reports, and, and I um, I think that some of the oil stocks are lo- looking interesting. The banks are looking kind of interesting. And then I would look at strong sectors and a pullback as an opportunity also. I've got a long list of those names. And and then finally, uh, I would look at short-term weakness, long-term strength in a stock. Uh, so, you know, if there's a lot of technology stocks that just got whooped th- this last week. And I think, so Lori Calcivina was correct uh, uh, for, our, you know, our clients. And I, I just think, uh, you know, the, the technology stocks got uh, beat up. And I think they're still uh, overbought, okay? So... I just think everybody's waiting on value. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, um, value this week. And we, t- we said everybody was waiting f- for value uh, uh, last week. And we said since 07, basically, you know, growth has outperformed value. But it's uh, this is interesting, I think. Value was outperforming by 150 basis points, or 1.5%, since October 3rd. Six sectors leading. Uh, perhaps the best start uh, is to look at the musical chairs taking place, and I, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, 
value has uh, outperformed by a whopping 150 basis points. So value stocks are typically sickly sensitive, especially in current areas. And I think the six sectors that have outperformed are energy, financials, real estate, healthcare, staples, and utilities. Uh, now that Tom Lee said the same thing, by the way, and uh, Tom is a really bright guy. Uh, uh, used to be Morgan Stanley's head strategist, and now he's with Fundstrat, uh, where Bob Schleimer, by the way, uh, lives these days too. So, now look, um, I think also what happened this week was you had a lot of hedge funds that were look. There's a lot of money on the sidelines. There's eleven trillion dollars on the sidelines in the stock market, and that that's that's money that might be in the bond market too. Don't forget. All right, so. Uh, there's another $7 trillion left the stock market and went to the bond market over the last uh, 10 years. So it's kind of an interesting. So you'll see these these equity long short hedge funds are probably the worst performing category this month. And what you find is that they get margin calls because they're either long the wrong stocks or short the wrong stocks. And they have to sell what they can sell, not what they want to sell. You know, the stocks that held up the most for the longest, uh, you know, I can think of a couple in the telecommunications area that held up the best. And then at the end, they had to sell them because it was the only thing they had left to pay the uh, the margin call. So I think, you know, it's, it's kind of a big oops, but, uh, you know, you want to be careful. Hey, we're going to be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. I'm Hugh Hewitt. This week in the Town Hall Review, brought to you in partnership with uh, Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. With the midterms bearing down on us, the Missouri Senate race is a bellwether on how damaging these races may be to Democrats. In order to get elected, you have to lie to the people. Join us for our program and visit our website at townhallreview.com. Saturday at 5 a.m. and Sunday at 4 p.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, once again, if you just heard the first, you know, just part of the first part, and you want to hear the whole thing, or you hate getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning, 
Remember, on Monday or Tuesday, I think it's noon, uh, our blog or our, our podcast, I guess they call it, our podcast of this show uh, goes on to the WHK uh, webpage. So it's WHK1420. Hit the local local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, and there I am. Uh, it's, you know, so you can listen to it anytime you want. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just talked to a gentleman who had me laughing so hard. He said, uh, whenever he and his wife were having a fight, you know, he just turned me on and, and, uh, his wife would turn that off. Uh, you know, that type of thing. And I, he had me in hysterics the other day, but anyway, so you can listen to it anytime you want. So it's WHK 1420 local podcast, Tim Hayes. Um, Anyway, so what's the good news coming out of uh, this fiasco that's going on in the first uh, two weeks of October? I mean, it's been a massive sell-off. I mean, you know, it's the first time I can remember in a long time where the bullish percent turned down. And, you know, if the bullish percent or the economy is like this big aircraft carrier, okay? It it doesn't turn on a dime. You know, you don't do a 90-degree turn in an aircraft carrier in 20 seconds. You know, you go partway, then you come back partway, then you go back, then you go back, then you go back and forth. Until finally you're on the right course. Well, what, normally it takes a lot to get the bullish percent to turn down. So you get a sell off and then it rallies. Not this time. I mean, you know, it was just a quick wipeout and, uh, which is usually more positive because if you get a lower high in the stock market, things, uh, you know, get a little bit, uh, crazy. So, uh, anyway, uh, you know, from the peak, uh, we are down 10.4% in the S&P 500. And the good news is the P.E. ratio is now 16, uh, which is a lot lower than it was at 20. And and 16 is kind of, you know, 15, 16 is kind of the average P.E. ratio for the S&P 500 for the last 85 years. So that's good. And, you know, look, I, I had a couple people, um, you know, if you go to um, uh, Market Watch, you know, Goldman Sachs says the sell-off is just about over and tells his uh, investors to get back into growth stocks. Well, I guess the question is growth, you know, going to be the place to be or value? And uh, they th- seem to think it's growth. So um, there you go. And look, I don't think you should panic here. Um, things go down sometimes faster. You know, well, most of the time they go down faster than they go up. And I think the Fed spooked the market and, and uh, we had some margin calls. All right, so when the margin calls, when the dust settles there, by the way, usually there's a bounce, and then you test that low again. Uh, so you want to pay close attention. But I think that the, the two big things that I noticed is that healthcare took over for both industrials and financials this week. So behind technology, they're number two. Remember when healthcare was the lowest form of life on dynamic asset level investing? And I suggested that you'd be a kind, good time to buy some of those. And then once again, we want to mention that utilities have jumped over four or five spots and they, they got hit pretty hard. So, uh, you know, utilities are normally interest rate sensitive. And, and since stocks anticipate things six months ahead, maybe what they're anticipating is that we're getting close to the end of the cycle. I don't know. Uh, but right now, domestic equities, um, are own 29% of the, the, the votes. Uh, international equities 23, although I think they gained one percentage point. There's been a couple rallies and I'll talk about those later on. Uh, commodities, uh, have 17% fixed income 13, cash 10 and currency 6.3. So I think it's uh, important to mention that sell-off has not been localized to U.S. equity event. It's, it's all major indexes. So 
Uh, maybe we're just finally catching up to them because they started it off. Uh, the 10-week, uh, what we call a TWAL, which is a great indicator, is now at 18%. That's the lowest level this year. So it's it got down pretty high. Uh, it, it was up pretty high. Then, you know, we talked about that slight parabolic move in the stock market, and I guess we, we got rid of it pretty quick. <laughs> And the positive trend for all equity funds uh, was at eight ninety, I think October eleventh. It went from ninety eight to ninety four to eighty eight, and is now down even farther than that. And the money market rank is an indicator which measures the position of money market relative to all groups and asset class group scores. And that reading is you know works in by counting how many groups are below the money market score, and then converting the value into percentage. So. You know, basically what you have is a reading of 50% would indicate that money market is ranked above half of the groups. Right now, the current reading is 21.2. That's a pretty high reading. Uh, and since hitting a new all-time high September 21st, the S&P 500 has fallen uh, 6.85%. The average stock is down 18.7%. That's almost bear market territory, by the way. Um, and if the pullback uh, does turn to something worse, such as a major correction, you know, you want to – there's some key – uh, support levels I think you want to watch, uh, one of which I think we might have broken Friday. That was uh, 2720 on the S&P. I, gotta, I, I, I didn't bring my computer, so I apologize. Um, a couple other things as we, uh, you know, you know, Monday, we mentioned uh, we could go Monday that the bullish percent reversed into a column of O's. And, uh, you know, utilities and energy have held up the best. During that period of time, uh, and healthcare uh, posted a very small loss, and some some of the stocks hit new highs. Uh, some of the drug stocks hit new highs, which we haven't talked about in a long time. You know, I've, I find it interesting. Telecom equipment and drug stocks are holding up the best, and literally they've been down and out for a long, long time. Uh, so, you know, look here's some defensive strategies uh, for individual stock positions. Okay, so you know if you got if this is defensive, sell the stock. You know, you realize a capital gain or loss, uh, create a taxable event, ignites a, all right, so there you go. Uh, set a stop upon violation of any additional support. Some people are buying protective puts. Uh, some st- some people are selling stocks and buying the ETF. That way you don't have to you worry about the tax consequent. And you spread out a little bit, you diversify. Sell stocks and buy calls. Um, that's an aggressive position. And sell calls against the position, which is, you know, usually a pretty good idea. Um, one of the things that I noticed is that the relative strength, uh, strength spread, which is usually, uh, the spread between the, the relative strength leaders and laggards, uh, when the chart is rising, relative strength le- leaders are performing better than laggards and the relative strength still looks pretty healthy at this point. Uh, the spread does. So, uh, that's kind of interesting. Also, I looked at the overbought oversold score and listen to this small cap blends are 258% oversold. All small cap, 248. Small cap growth, 241. Small cap value, 237. All small cap, 232. Mid cap, 237. So, uh, needless to say, most of the, uh, <laughs> most of the, uh, uh, indicators are, are kind of showing things that, uh, very, very oversold. So we'll see what happens. You know, somebody asked me about the case for, uh, international investing and look, you still got to remember that U.S. GDP as a percent of the uh, world GDP is about 25%. The rest of the world is 75%. So 
There's a reason to be out there. The question is when. Uh, the number of listed stocks in the U.S. versus the world is 10% to 90. So global middle-class population is booming. Uh, you know, they, they started at 1.8 billion in 2009. It's now 4.9 billion. Uh, or, I mean, uh, the estimate in 2030 is 4.9 billion. And the global middle class spending is growing. Uh, it's 35 trillion today. They think it's going to grow. It's double, basically. Uh, and look, foreign stocks have had the worst return anywhere. And they're, they're probably, you know, poised for some kind of, you know, rally at least. So, I think what you want to do is you want to work with uh, some proven active managers who, you know, really feel convinced that their best ideas in the portfolio are going to work. And I, I don't know if you want to be, uh, well, I think you want to be benchmark agnostic. Okay. Uh, so th- those are some things I'd be looking at if I were, uh, looking at these things, uh, quite frankly, you know, and I, just a couple of things, you know, my comments and, uh, I, what I do is I put together, you know, Bob Schleimer stuff, Bob uh, Dickey stuff, my own. Uh, and look, we're oversold, very oversold. I don't, you know, doesn't mean we have to bounce. It just we're oversold. So we're, what we're doing is uh, looking back to longer term uh, cycles. And remember, I talked about the 17 and 34 year cycle, but I also talked about the four year cycle. And I talked about that just a couple weeks ago. So I think the cycle peak probably is more likely to develop in 2019, but you know, these cycles aren't perfect. They get, they get pretty close. So the U.S. equities are uh, prematurely peaking from historical pattern uh, of the four-year cycle that uh, develops in normal bull markets anyway. I think that the, the key risks here are that technology, you know, one of the growth momentum leaders, uh, has some areas where if they broke down from, you'd, be, you'd have a problem. And I'm seeing some of these things are pretty straight-up charts. So, uh, you know, given that... Uh, you know, we have we look at financials, industrials, uh, discretionary, and staples uh, as a pretty good place to go. But look, one of the things I'm worried about is that uh, you know, if you have a you have a secular expansion going on, potentially lasting into the you know the 2020s, early 2030s. Uh, but you know, you do have corrections during that period of time. You know, uh, and within bull, secular bull markets, there's a bear market occasionally. Within bear markets, there's secular bull. Mar- I mean, there's uh, uh, secular bear markets there are bull markets occasionally and i guess the key is i think we're getting used to look almost all of the managers out there have never seen anything but growth go up so they don't know anything about value and you know value has now out, out i mean growth has now outperformed value and for the last 85 years value had always out outperformed uh uh growth okay so that's kind of interesting, and they haven't seen a rising interest rate market either. So uh, things could get interesting, and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, the one thing that worries me a little bit is I look at the S&P 500 monthly chart, and I still think the, the momentum indicator, it's decelerating, uh, and it's still above zero. So that's something you have to worry about a little bit. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I'd also look at the current four-year cycle is maturing at 31 months old versus, you know, what normally happens. Uh, so, you know, there we go. Um, and I just think, you know, th- those uh, those areas that we talked about were pretty important as far as, uh, uh, you know, holding the 2700 on the S&P 500. The other thing I'm noticing is, you know, growth versus value. I am seeing it level off where growth had been definitely the place to be, uh, you know, value starting to come come off. And then I looked at the dollar and uh we bounced, you know, uh, we went up, broke out, 
Then we came back exactly 38.2%, which is a, a good number, and we're kind of stalling, so we may take off. Uh, oil futures look great, and, and I want to emphasize this. Healthcare is broken out. That We have a trend reversal uh, that continues you know, for a while now. So uh, there we go. And that's about, uh, well, yeah, that's about it. Let's take a break, and we'll come back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. We all know how expensive long-term care has become if you can no longer live in your own home when you get older. But now, there's an alternative which can let you stay at home where you want to be. This is Michael Medved for the good people at Adaptive Home Services. It can be as simple as designer grab bars to keep you safer in the parts of your home which have become dangerous, all the way to a fully accessible barrier-free bathroom or a kitchen where everything is safely within reach. Permanent and portable ramps, stair lifts, widened hallways and doors, whatever it takes to make it possible for you to stay in your own home. Call Dick Russ and his great team at Adaptive Home Services. Their number is 844-STAY-HOME. That's 844-STA-HOME. Or go to AdaptiveHomeServices.com. That's AdaptiveHomeServices.com. 844-STA-HOME. Or go to AdaptiveHomeServices.com. That's AdaptiveHomeServices.com. This is Sebastian Gorka, former strategist of Donald J. Trump. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored. But that doesn't mean our enemies have disappeared. In my new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, we take off the blinders of political correctness from the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. Uh, just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, you know, one of the things that we we're, we see as an oversold measure is the number of stocks hitting their 20-day lows is the same level as last January, which was a pretty good sell-off. Uh, so that, that that could be positive for those looking to buy a, little, a few stocks here and there. Now, uh, this week, the you know, the bullish percent is our main gauge of risk. And it's just a chart that goes from 0 to 100. It was designed by a gentleman back in the 30s. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the top, I mean at the bottom, and, and bearish at the top. And so it goes from 0 to 100. We get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. And then we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying in their beer and nobody wants to buy, even talk about stocks. You know, you'd open, you don't open your 401k statement, that type of thing. Um, and what was interesting this week, I think, is that, uh, uh, you know, we, we went to a column of O's la- a week ago Monday. And in that time, we were at 52%. We are now at 39.8, down 9.2%. Uh, the over-the-counter index was down 4s at 34. So that's getting pretty close to, you know, the promised land below 30. 
and the world index was at 31.8. It was down 2.7%. So, uh, you know, you see a lot of things going on here that are, you know, we're getting to oversold territories. And the high low, the number of new highs versus new lows all remain in a column of O's, but they move to 12%, 10%, and 14%. So you're seeing a lot of oversold indicators. Matter of fact, this low is the lowest we've seen since uh, the bottom in 2016 at the beginning of the year and the and the bottom in 2015. So, uh, you know, there's not many indicators that get below 10%. Let's just put it that way. So we're there, and I think everybody's got to pay close attention to that, you know, simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, you don't want to get too bearish. You know, it's not the end of the world. The Fed is raising rates because the economy can handle it so far. So, um, you know, sure, they're going to make a mistake eventually. But in the meantime, I think there's a lot of money to be made. When they stop raising rates, it'll be my humble opinion that the the small cap stocks will roar out. Um, look, there, there are some observations uh, since, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I've seen a lot of things happen uh, in the last couple of years, and uh, – if if we looked at the returns following moves below 10% for the high-low index, they're pretty big, okay? Um, look, uh, back in um, 98, we had a 23% move, 99, a 10% move, 2002, an 18% move. Now, 2007 and 2008 were two of the times that we had negative moves. 2011, a 22% move, um, both in August and then again in October. And then uh, in 2015, a 12% move, 2016, a 23% move. So all but two of the times, uh, you know, so that's, you know, better than 70%. We've had big moves on the upside when we get below 10 on the high-low index. So that's, uh, if we get there, and I think we're we're pretty close today, uh, that would be kind of interesting. And then, you know, uh, I think we have to ask a couple other questions and, and that's, uh, are we in some kind of global financial crisis? And I, uh, you know, is the market like the global financial crisis or are we aren't? And I don't think we are. Uh, look, uh, by the time we, you know, if we would have been down over this oversold uh, a while ago, I think you, uh, you know, in 2007, 2008, what we had then was, you know, an oversold situation where we went down 20 and 30% in a very short period of time. So uh, I, I think personally that we're not, uh, but only time will tell. So I, I, but I don't think that's going to happen right at the moment. Um, now uh, we have had negative uh, movement in all the indexes. Uh, so the weekly momentum has been negative. The long-term charts still look good. Uh, but whether it's the Dow, the mid caps, the small caps, the QQQs have really been taken on the he- on the nail. And uh, uh, the equal weight index, which is each stock has each a, a vote, and the market capitalization weighting, uh, they, they've all been negative for four or five weeks too. So, uh, you know, we, we've had some things uh, get beat up. Now, we did have the S&P 500 ETF on a two-box chart. If you do, if you look at this on a point-and-figure chart basis, it reversed up, and then reversed back down to a column of O's. So it, it's, getting, it's getting a little nuts. But here's where I'm getting... Uh, much more bullish. Um, remember, back in December, we had 26 groups that were in favored status. Now we have four. So we've gone from 26 to four. So that's what I call oversold. We don't have any over 50. 
Oil is at 44. Restaurants are at 40. Business and healthcare at 35. So healthcare, you know, turning up against the rest of the market is very positive uh, for healthcare. So I'd be looking at that. But listen, these are how many groups we have below 30 that we're looking for them to turn up. Auto parts are at 24. Biotech's at 24. Building materials at 26. Chemicals at 28. Gaming. Remember, gaming was 90. Gaming's at 22. Household goods uh, are at 26. Internet's at 28. That was at 100. Non-ferrous metals at 28. Precious metals at 18. Semiconductors, which were at 92, are 22. Software, which was at 95, is at 28. Steel and iron's at 28. Textiles are at 20. Wall Street's at 24. So we've got a lot of you know groups that are under 30. They're not favored now, okay? So you know you got to be careful. Uh, uh, you got to wait for these to turn up. So we only have four favored sectors. That's what I call oversold. Now, software, which have been one of the leaders, uh, became average this week. Retail and computers, which have been one of the favorites, uh, turned to average this week. Also, waste management and steel moved up from out, uh, out uh, under favored. Uh, and then also, um, let's see, the Internet and real estate went uh, housing, electronics, protection services, machinery, and in- insurance went to unfavored. So a lot of people getting beat up here uh, is what it comes down to. So, um, you know, that's usually a very, very good time to uh, buy stocks, uh, just so you know. Anyway, uh, it comes as no surprise that international markets as a whole have had a rough go f- uh, go so far this year. Uh you know, both the, the iShares uh, EFA and the uh, the emerging markets uh, have like, you know, 8 and 14% losses, respectively. Uh, however, one area, uh, ha- we've seen some near-term improvement, and that is of Brazil. As uh, the generally positive sentiment stemming from the recent election has led to an uptrend in, in Brazilian equities, if you know the right one big uh, over there. Uh, this is starkly different from China, which has seen further deterioration. And, uh, you know, I, you know, if you're asset allocating, I hope you're in Brazil, not China. But we've had a move up, and it did break its downtrend line, um, uh, short-term downtrend line. So that's very positive. So I guess if you're looking for foreign stuff, you know, some of the Brazilian ETFs, I've seen three or four that look pretty good. Uh, that might be the place to go. Uh, the, the China uh, large-cap ETFs, uh, several of them, uh, broke, have broken, you know, multiple bottoms and just, uh, most of them broke another bottom just again this week. So when it comes to fixed income, uh, now this is momentum. Remember, there's two ways to buy fixed income. People, you know, who want to make money, uh, the money managers out there that want to make a capital gain with their yield or the people like yourselves that want to buy yield when it's up so that they can have more money to spend. And so if you look, it's been high-yield bonds, preferreds, municipal, and, and senior loan holdings that have been the big holdings uh, in a lot of institutional accounts. Convertible bonds have been one of the strongest segments of the fixed income for most of 2017 and 18. However, the recent equity downturn has really kind of whopped them for a loop. So uh, they are pretty oversold at this point. I don't know if they're going to pick up back up. So I guess the recent movement in the equity market – uh, also participated in a change in the dynamic less asset level investing fixed income rankings that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us. 
And what we see now is high yield is at the top. U.S. preferreds and convertibles are number two. Okay, so they move back. And then U.S. corporates. Long-duration U.S. treasuries are dead last, so that's not you know probably a great sign. Uh, also, uh, the, a lot of the commodities, uh, uh, crude oil has been positive for about six weeks, uh, gold nine weeks. Uh, Copper has been getting beat up a little bit this last week, so that's that's interesting. You know, crude oil, um, well, if I just look at crude oil, the futures contract, it's been on a buy signal versus the S&P 500 since January 10th of this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if it reverses up and confirms it coming up here. And then as far as relative strength is concerned, we always look for, uh, you know, what we're trying to do here on this show is start with a big economy and move down to ideas that you can, you know, use uh, in your particular portfolios. And and what you want to do is have a, a stock that's outperforming both its group and the market. Okay, the strongest stocks in the, in the in the market is what you're looking for. So if you can combine that with good fundamentals, you're in great shape. So these are relative strength buy signals in the Dorsey Wright system. It, they work pretty well. AutoZone, Frontline Limited, Goal uh, Intelligent Airlines, uh, Hanwha, uh, Q-Cells, which is a, a, a Chinese, uh, Gafisa, which is a Brazilian, IDT Corp, uh, Seabridge Gold, Spirit Airlines, and the ASA Corporation. On the sell side, now this is where you want to check your fundamentals a little bit closer. CPI Aerostructures, uh, Galactin Therapeutics, Lytle, Spartan Motors, Rainier Advanced Materials, Arista Networks, that has been a winner for a long, long time, SCB Financials, T2 Biosystems, Cellular Biomedicine, and Neurotrope, which is a biotech stock. So those are some things that you have to pay pretty close attention to. And uh, remember, uh, we're we're in the red zone, right? I mean, we're we're in the middle of the field, basically, or, or and we're getting close to the green zone, but we're on the defense. So you want to take a still keep a defensive posture, uh, you know, raise some cash with stocks. Uh, you know, maybe take a profit or take a loss. Uh, remember, remember, losses carry forward for a long, long time. Uh, hold strong sectors. Um, you know, if you got a really, really weak sector and it's not turning up, that that's one you probably don't want to hold. Hold the leading stocks, strong relative strength stocks, sell the laggards. Uh, use uptrend line stops. So if they break their uptrend, hit the road. I mean, I, I had a couple. Unfortunately, they, they break fairly quickly, and uh, it's hard to uh, get everybody out. Use trend line stops. Uh, some people use inverse hedge funds. I think it might be a little bit too late for that. Some uh, bear spreads, short equity exposure, you know, that type of thing. But I think we are getting to the point where, we're getting pretty close to the green zone. I'd, I'd be surprised uh, uh, if, you know, this came out on Thursday morning. With Thursday and Friday, we're probably getting very, very close, especially the small cap area. So, we, you know, we're getting close to the green zone. So don't get too bearish is what I'm trying to tell you. Just remember that. Uh, look, we're going to be right back with uh, the insiders and some of my comments to wrap things up. Uh, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Hi, it's Dennis Prager for Window Nation. Temperatures are falling fast, and that is a great reminder that your window, pun intended, for getting new windows installed before the holidays and snow hits is closing. While most window companies are experiencing 12-week lead times, Window Nation can do it in less than half the time and save you half the money. 
Call today and get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. No limit. There's only one thing better than free windows, free financing. And for the next two weeks, Window Nation is offering no interest for five years. New windows now and no interest for 60 months. Call the window company that over 80,000 homeowners have already trusted and take advantage of this amazing offer now and get two windows free for every two windows you buy and 0% interest for five years. Visit windownation.com and save this winter and forever on your energy bills. Eliminate the nasty drafts and start enjoying all the benefits of new windows today. That's windownation.com or call 866-90. Okay, we're back. Uh, just tuned in to the Smart Investor Show. And once again, uh, if you'd like to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk about things... Uh, you know, I think I'm fairly sure we can help you with your financial planning, uh, long-term goals, that type of thing. And uh, if you'd uh, like to come to my office or meet you someplace, have a cup of coffee and just talk about things, uh, please give us a call at 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or you can Google or Bing Tim Hayes Radio and I show up. Uh and if you miss part of the show, go to WHK1420 webpage, hit the local podcasts, and go down to Tim Hayes. And by the way, I go dire- if you tap on that, you can go directly to my webpage from there. And there's all sorts of contact me, email me, that type of thing. While you're there, look around. There's some good information there. Um, now, we, we always say this part of the show, you know, uh, we talked about relative strength buy signals, and that's always a good sign. And... Um, so we're getting to different ideas, okay? Uh, whether you use them or not, that's up to you. Uh, I know what I'm looking for, and I think it's uh, getting interesting. But we we do have, um, you know, in, insiders out there who buy stocks. These people are, know what's going on. They're either directors, CFOs, CEOs, you know, pr- uh, presidents, people who know what's going on. And that's usually, by the way, they're usually more successful than uh, analysts. So we did have a couple this week that were pretty interesting. Uh, Adam Portnoy, as you may recall, bought some Travel America, TA is a symbol. This week bought another 14, uh, 1.492 million shares for the tune of $838,381,000. So, uh, and Susan Wojcicki, who's a director at Salesforce.com bought another 880,000 shares, uh, I mean, dollars worth. Uh, so that's her fourth purchase. Uh, and then Ken Howard, uh, who's a director at, uh, ugh, um, it's Malvern Bancorp, uh, bought uh, again, and he bought another uh, 567,000. Now, I also noticed that there was three buyers of ConAgra. Uh, you know, ConAgra was looking like it was going to break out. Then they bought a company, and uh, the Wall Street didn't like it. But these three buys, one's for $499, uh, one is for $249, and the other is for two point, uh, $243, so almost a million dollars worth. Uh, they've been net sellers for a while. And then HACO, which is a uh, defense contractor, we had a, a, everybody just bought like 1,300 shares, but it was 12 people. So it turned out to be uh, about a uh, million dollars worth. Uh, so we like to see multiple. And remember, uh, 
Heister uh, last week. We had uh, multiple buyers. Well, they came in again and bought some more. Uh, so, and, and these were chairmen's, you know, uh, Alfred Rankin, those type of people. Um, you know, they bought quite a bit, right? So they added to their position this week. And remember, last week we had uh, 37 people buy uh, $1.8 million worth. So it was a lot of shares. And here they are, uh, you know, this is the whole Rankin family buying, basically. Uh, Victor, Victoria, Alfred, uh, Whitney, you know, there's a couple others. So they were buying quite a bit, and that's that's always a good sign. Um, then uh, Dine Equity, uh, we had several people uh, buy, and this is what they call restricted stock units. So it's it's a little bit different, but uh, they they had one gentleman buy two hundred thirty uh, twenty three thousand shares, uh, and he's the president. Uh, and then we had a whole bunch of them buy twelve thousand thirteen thousand shares, and then one bought one point five million shares, uh, and he's the CEO, which is always good. So the, it's it turns out to be a, a I, I think it's a twenty dollar stock. So uh, that's a lot of stock being bought. And uh, so the question is, will, will Dine Equity uh, prosper from that? And I think that's interesting. And then Elon Musk said he's going to buy twenty million dollars in Tesla stock, and Tesla needs it because Tesla's been hurting. Uh, I think his escapades have been uh, <laughs> interesting to watch, but uh, kind of tough on the shareholders. And then uh, there's. Um, ANIX is a little biotech stock. There was four buyers of 45,000 shares, which equaled about a uh, million uh, dollars. And most of these were directors uh, who already owned a ton of it, which is always uh, good. It made a little bit of move, so be careful. And this one made a big move uh, on Friday, so uh, be very, very careful. But I, you know, I got to give you the information anyway. Uh, the chairman of the board of Planet Green Holdings bought one point. One seven six million shares, about a five million dollar value, and his name is Yu Hung Zhang, uh, and the stock made a big, big move. So you know, I think you want to wait till it pulls back a little bit, if I were you. And then BlackRock, Bill Ford bought eight hundred nineteen thousand dollars worth of stock. BlackRock's uh, you know was a six hundred dollar stock. It's now three hundred ninety nine. Uh, they've beaten most of Wall Street up, and uh, there we go. So. What are we doing now? Uh, this is what Tim's thinking. I think it's time for the financials to step up. You know, they're they're beating these things up because they thought interest rates were going down. Now they're going up, and maybe you know it's time to buy financials. Uh, financials are considered value stocks, by the way. So, um, look, global equities are uh, teetered up and down, uh, gaining back roughly one-third of what they lost during the recent shakeout here, and markets responded favorably to some good quality you know, earnings that we've had. Um, <laughs> concerns about the Fed policy still linger. Uh, however, they, you know, if you look, the normal ebb and flow that usually occurs during pullbacks and corrections, its sharp downturn is often followed by a pretty good-sized bounce. And uh, to be quite frank with you, I think that the financials led the way down, Okay. So maybe they lead the way back up. I think the key issues uh, that have held back the banks is a flat treasury yield, uh, a mediocre loan growth, rising deposit rates, light net interest margins, heightened non-bank competition, and concerns about a hawkish Fed. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, but I think you'll start to see them lead. And if they start to lead, I think we're coming out of the woods faster than everybody uh, considered. 
I had uh, a couple guys call me this week um, who, by the way, said, good call on the advanced decline line. Actually, that was not my call. That was Bob Dickey's call. And uh, Bob's our head uh, t- uh, technical strategist. So, uh, you know, he saw the breakdown in the advanced decline line. And I sent it out to everybody. If you want to get on my list, you know, just uh, Google Tim Hayes, uh, contact me or call me, 888-223-7742. But I sent that out. And uh, not everybody reacted uh, like I thought they would. I thought maybe, you know, there'd be some people calling me to sell. I look really long-term. Uh, because I think long term, that's how you make a fortune. You know, Warren Buffett will tell you that every time. Anyway, crude oil. Uh, crude has this, you know, it's been a slow rising uptrend and it, it's had some volatility. Uh, and we're at the bottom end of the trend line. Okay. So in the uptrend, this is where at the bottom end of the, of the trend. And, you know, so if it's going to continue, it should be turning up somewhere around here. You know, it might go sideways for a while and then turn up. So if it's going to continue, it's going to turn up. Now, the other thing is I was looking at all the, the sectors I look at, uh, you know, whether it's bonds, stocks, whatever, almost everything, you know, if you look at a yield curve, is on the left-hand side of the yield curve. I, I mean, uh, distribution curve. It's on the left-hand side of the distribution curve, uh, with the exception of oil uh, and gold. And uh, so, you know, everybody's worried about the commodities, but remember, commodities went down 75%, so I don't know if you're going to see anything drastic on the upside. Now, the S&P 500, you know, we're in the middle of a short-term pullback. We still, we're still still way above the uptrend line, okay, uh, dating back to the 2009 bottom. So that lies around on, on the S&P around 2,400, which is, you know, still 300 points from here. So it, it could take a while. I mean, look, you, there's two types of corrections. There's price correction and there's a time correction. Sometimes things just go sideways for a while. And, you know, within sideways patterns, it seems like it's volatile, but it's really not. So... Um, look, we've broken uh, down through the the uptrend lines that we we placed uh, going back to July bottom uh, after the January sell off, and I said there was a little bit of a parabolic move, and we'd probably you know come back. But look, the one thing that's really positive here is that global valuations uh, are really really low at this point. Uh, so I think you want to be you know thinking about that. Also, you know I've been talking about dividend growth now. <laughs> at nauseum for about a year. Why do I do that? Well, you know, if you look, there was a study done about dividends and volatility. And uh, I can't remember who did the, uh, here, it was in the Financial Analyst Journal. And basically, if you had the average yield uh, between 1.6 and 4%, uh, your standard deviation was much lower uh, than a non-yield portfolio. Uh, So, you know, to give you an idea, the integrity, uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the, 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 the portfolios, if you had a 3.1% yield, your uh, uh, volatility levels were one-third, or two-thirds, I'm sorry, of the standard stock market. So something to think about. A couple other things. You know, last week we said that the uh, McQuellen oscillator was at minus 100 it, uh, it rallied up and, and now is at minus 50 again. But the summation index, which is an oversold, over overbought scenario, is now at minus 485. So uh, we're in a situation right now where I think that uh, things are getting interesting. Uh, look, short term, we're in a correction. Uh, no doubt about it. The market index is a pullback from the recent highs. Um, and they've done it fast. Intermediate term, I think we're neutral because, like I said, 
We're at the top end of the trend line. We, we're probably going to have a time correction over to the, the, the other side. Uh, long term, I'm very, very bullish. Uh, but I do, I do suggest, uh, you know, dividend stocks. You want to buy dividend stocks when they're down. The market is, uh, is, you know, doing that for us. Let's take advantage of it. You know, get call for the dividend growth portfolio. Look, uh, we were at 2875 and two days later we were at, uh, 2700 almost. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty quick sell-off in, in anybody's mind. Uh, and I think we're going to continue this type of thing for a couple of years now. So we're going to, we're going to have times when we go up and then we're going to pull back very, very quickly. Um, I've got, a, I've got quite a bit of cash. Uh, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, tons of it, but I have uh, quite a bit of it. So, um, you know, I, that's what I'd be considering right now. I'd be looking at dividend growth portfolios, prime income list as yields go up. Look, there comes a point when the Fed's going to stop raising rates because they're slowing the economy down too much. Uh, and if they do, um, you know, the, the dividend growth stocks will take off and so on, all the rest of them. Uh, so that's a pretty good idea. Uh, anyway, stay with those. If you'd like any of those ideas or our best ideas list, let us know. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. When rolling over your 401k, it's easy to get lost. Look to the experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors from RBC Wealth Management to guide you through the whole 401k rollover process. It's all part of designing a plan that's tailored to your unique investment needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.